This week on We Believe You, we're going to start a little bit differently. We're going to start by practicing a grounding activity together. So get yourself in a comfortable seated position. If you can, put both feet flat on the ground and try sitting up straight. Now take a deep breath in and slowly let it out. Look around the space you're in. What are the five things that you can see? What are four things that you can touch? Three things you can hear. Two things you can smell. And one thing you can taste. Now take one more deep breath and slowly blow it out. What do you notice about yourself? Does anything feel different? Maybe you noticed something about your physical body during the exercise. Maybe you noticed something about the environment you're currently in. For most people, they feel a brief reprieve from the worries about future anxiety or from ruminating about anything in their past. This is the key to mindfulness. It means paying attention right now, on purpose, without judgment. You're listening to episode number 12, Sensory Grounding. I'm Jessica, and in the studio with me is Casey. Hi. In this episode, we're going to be talking about creating a plan for managing triggers and how to help stay grounded when the anxiety starts to rise. So there are many ways to do this. In fact, there's a whole form of skill building called dialectical behavioral therapy, or DBT. DBT is a type of therapy that helps people develop new coping skills to manage painful emotions, tolerate distress, increase mindfulness, and communicate well with others. The method we will talk about today is just one of the methods that DBT works with. But sensory grounding involves bringing yourself back to the present moment by using your five senses. It's a way to help reboot the brain so that you can stop re-experiencing a trauma and instead return to the here and now. So sometimes when you experience a trigger or a flashback that sets you into a flood of emotion or a panic, you can feel like you've gone somewhere else. And that somewhere else is usually right back into your traumatic experience. So the key is to take you out of the past and to help you recognize that you're safe in the present. Engaging your senses can help you do this. In the office, we often talk to survivors about sensory grounding as a means of managing triggers. That's right. And if you listen to the show I did in season one on neurobiology, we talked about how traumatic memories can get stored in fragments. And often those fragments come from one or more of your senses. We often hear survivors say that a certain song will trigger them or a certain smell. This is because the trauma is stored in the part of the brain that regulates the senses. So one way to counter these sense-based triggers is by utilizing our senses as a defense of sorts. So just a word, though, about ability. We recognize that not everyone has the ability to use all five of their senses. We know that the world exists with people who cannot see or hear or have other sensory limitations. And this doesn't mean that sensory grounding won't be effective for you. In fact, most people find that they gravitate to one sense over the others when it comes to grounding. So once you find the sense that is most effective for you, you're able to start building and expanding your grounding toolbox. The way I see it, there are two main groups of skills that help manage stress and triggering environments for this toolbox we're talking about. We can either utilize comfort or distraction techniques. Distraction is necessary. There are times when we can't go deep into our feelings. 
like when you have a major exam the next day and need to study, or when you're just so tired that watching Netflix for the next four hours is the only thing you can contemplate doing. For me, my go-to distraction is to curl up with a blanket and a book. My partner calls that my invisibility cloak. Like when I have a blanket and a book, I feel invisible to the rest of the world. Yeah, and my go-to distraction technique usually tends to be an episode or two of Grey's Anatomy. Or I've also been known to watch Moana on random weekdays when I need a (laughs) pick-me-up. So if you find yourself needing to put away the stress of the day, distract yourself. But if the only thing you ever do is distraction, the feelings will continue to build up until they spill out at the most inopportune times. I often talk about this through the metaphor of a box. If I keep a box at the back of my closet and I keep shoving on the things I don't want to think about in that box, it will get bigger and bigger, and eventually that box will explode and make a huge mess. But if I put things in the box when I can't deal with them and also take out things when I can, I can better manage that feeling of overwhelm and the box won't explode. So what do you do when we take things out of the box? We use comfort techniques. Maybe this means we call a friend and talk to them about our day, or we eat a pint of ice cream while we journal through our thoughts. Totally. And when I'm in need of some comfort, I usually tend to put on my favorite tunes and rub some essential oils on my wrists. For me, it's stretching my body and setting a mental intention for myself. So comfort techniques are what we use when we want to feel safe and we're able to nurture ourselves while feeling some difficult emotions. And regardless of if you're distracting or comforting, you can use your senses to help manage our experiences. For sight, some of the ways in which we've heard people use it might be to to name what you see in the room, to envision a safe place around you or in your mind, to distract yourself by watching TV or a movie, or even to read a book. For me, watching my animals is one of the ways I use sight to ground. Absolutely. Animals are great for so many things. And touch, the sense of touch, can be used by varying textures such as beads, chains, blankets, clothes, or even the treads of your shoes. Just feeling something with a different texture can help bring you back into the moment. Yep. And sticking with a pet theme, pets are excellent for grounding. Studies have shown that they can actually calm and lower anxiety just by touching them. And some people connect to grounding by touching other people. So ask yourself if there's a safe person who will give you a hug or hold your hand when you ask them to. Touch can also be really effective when engaging in creativity. Can you create art and movement or journal your thoughts? Some people connect to touch through video gaming as a distraction technique. And then smell is one of my favorite ways to ground. In fact, in the office, we're often found with our essential oil diffusers running. Different oil combinations can help promote different feelings. Some will wake you up and help you focus, while others can calm you down and help you sleep better. For instance, while preparing for this podcast, I combined vanilla, rosemary, and grapefruit oils to help me focus, and it smelled amazing. And oils aren't the only way to utilize smell for grounding. Lotion is also great for a portable grounding item, and candles are great because of the smell and the ability to watch the flame dance. Even bubble baths are an excellent form of sensory grounding. When there's the opportunity to combine the different senses like touch and smell, it can sometimes double down on the grounding effect. And then you can use taste in a lot of different ways. So who hasn't heard of the idea of comfort food? Each one of us will gravitate towards different foods for comfort, but it can also go beyond that as well. Peppermint has been shown to be excellent for concentration and memory. Chamomile tea and warm milk are great for helping induce sleep. 
Even the changing of the temperature or taste can be a great jolt back into the present moment, like drinking ice cold water or hot tea or coffee. And then finally, we come to sound. This one is perhaps one of the favorites for so many of the survivors we work with. The ability to listen to a safe person's voice can really provide a sense of comfort. I've had a lot of survivors tell me that they call loved ones when they're triggered and just ask them to talk about their day. They don't need to unpack the trigger. Just the act of listening can be helpful. Absolutely. And music is another powerful grounding tool. You can create a different playlist for different situations, one to help calm you down and then one to help pump you up and make you feel invincible. The different variations and possibilities for grounding are endless. And what works for me may not work for you. And that's what's so great about this. It's extremely customizable. So now that we've laid some foundation for you, it's time to start thinking about how you can make this customizable for you. At the WJAC, we hand out a starter kit of sorts. We call this our grounding kit. They have a sampling of various things to try out. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, people will often gravitate to one sense over others. So we offer something for each of the senses to help people figure out what works best for them. The kit includes a koosh ball, silly putty, an aromatherapy spray, chapstick, a small journal, a lotion, and a playlist that can be found on our YouTube channel. So when you're thinking about making your own grounding kit, you might find that you have items you've been using all along for grounding and you never knew. I sometimes tell this story of my grandfather to highlight the point. When he was in World War II, he was stationed in the Pacific, and while he was there, he picked up a rock and put it in his pocket. He carried that rock in his pocket for the rest of his life, and by the time he died, it had been ribbed smooth, because when he felt nervous, he would reach into his pocket and hold on to his rock. For his whole life, he was sensory grounding and he never knew it. So what have you been doing that you never knew? And can you build on that strategy to help work for you in other situations? And as another example, I once had a survivor that suffered from painful body memories in her wrist from where she was held down during her assault. Her wrist always ached. So we were trying to figure out how to help her remember that the ache was from before and that there was nothing wrong with her wrists now. And because touch had worked so well for her through some of her other triggers, we decided to try putting a bracelet or a watch on her wrist that was slightly snug. So just a little bit of pressure would remind her that her wrist was okay. A week later, she came into my office so happy because that little adjustment had made all the difference. Actually acknowledging her hurt had made the hurt dissipate so that she could concentrate on other things. So think about what you'd add to your grounding kit. What items do you find comfort in during times of stress? And you can always think about making a list of things to do or try when you're feeling overwhelmed. That list is helpful because then you don't have to come up with it on the spur of the moment. For me, one of my go-tos is to always have some chocolate at hand. And number one on my list is usually to take a walk outside. Maybe for you, it's listening to your favorite song, taking a shower, and then calling a friend. When we're feeling overwhelmed, it can be really difficult to think about what we can do to make ourselves feel better. Having everything handy in your toolbox with both soothing items and a list of things to try makes it much easier to access things that help you return to the present moment without having to think about things so much. And keep in mind that the act of sensory grounding doesn't necessarily make the triggers go away. Perhaps nothing will. But the point of grounding is to remember that it's just a trigger from something in the past. Grounding can help these flashbacks and triggers become more manageable and less scary or frightening. So now we're going to bring you through a grounding exercise called square breathing. 
Sometimes with this activity, it's helpful to trace a square on a piece of paper in front of you while you count, or you can just imagine a square in your mind. So let's start by sitting comfortably. Visualize or look at the square in front of you. You can keep your eyes closed or open, whichever you prefer. So now breathe in while counting to four and let your eyes wander up the left side of the square, either in your mind or you can trace it on the paper or the surface in front of you. Now hold your breath while counting to four and let your eyes run across the top of the square. And now breathe out while counting to four and let your eyes run down the right side of the square. And then hold your breath while counting to four. Let your eyes run along the bottom of the square. So let's try that one more time. Breathe in for the count of four. And then hold your breath for four. And then breathe out for four. And then hold the breath for another four. I love this activity because it's one that you can really do anywhere, even if you're sitting in class or waiting in line for coffee. It's also a great way to ground you back into the moment and check in with your body, noticing how you're feeling and what sensations or emotions may be arising. Another great exercise working with the breath is simply lengthening your out breath. So you can think about breathing in for the count of two and then breathing out for a count of five or seven. This has been shown to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which actually slows your heart rate and can help you feel relaxed. Sometimes even just noticing the breath and counting 10 breaths can be helpful. Working with the breath is an amazing way to help bring a sense of calm to some very intense emotions. So try it out and see what works for you. Okay, we've given you a lot to think about, a lot of ideas, and even a couple possible exercises that you can do on your own. Know that all of us at the WGAC are available to talk through any ideas specific to you. And we're just a phone call away should you find yourself wanting some support. So that's all for this episode of We Believe You, advocacy, resources, and healing around interpersonal trauma. Please remember that the WGAC is here to provide support for all CSU students 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. To reach an advocate, you can call 970-492-4242. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email wgac at colostate.edu. That's wgac at c-o-l-o-s-t-a-t-e. For more information about advocacy and the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, wgac.colostate.edu. You can also find the WGAC on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. A big thank you to Xavier Hadley for creating the music used in this podcast and to our partnership with KCSU here at Colorado State University. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Thank you so much for listening.